The Lord be with you. Well, first, let me thank you for all the prayers. It's the second round with COVID, and this time it just feels like I have a bad head cold, and I apologize in advance for any coughing or spluttering that I do. But I do want to begin with a question. Have you ever tried to read the Bible through from cover to cover? There's many way, different ways to read the entire Bible. The, the first time I tried, I was bound and determined to start at the beginning and end at the end. Go straight from Genesis all the way to the end of the revelation of St. John. And it was hard getting through Genesis. There are some nasty stories in that book of the Bible. If they tried to make a movie of it, it would be at minimum R-rated. Then you get to Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and some of the stories keep you entertained. They keep your attention, but my goodness, when you get to all the begatting, who begat who, and what was going on, and the laws of the priestly code, it gets a little tedious, and it's a chore to read it. And I never wanted the Bible to be a chore in my life. So I got wise, and I bought one of those, the Bible in a year. Read through the Bible in a year. What I wasn't expecting was that each day I would have 30 or 40 pages of reading. And my goodness, it was in such small print. And that's not how I like reading the Bible anyway. I don't want to just read the Bible. I want to study the Bible. I want to listen to the Holy Spirit, make it come alive in my heart. And some days I would read through all 30 or 40 pages. And other times I'd read two or three verses and I'd ponder those verses for the next two or three days. I believe it took me about five years doing it that way, uh, of opening commentaries and saying, I'm missing something here. I don't understand it. Let me go to the experts, the masters. And that was a joyful way of reading the Bible. They even had things to see to all the begats and all the priestly codes that I did not see. And if I saw them, I did not understand them. The, the Holy Spirit used them to speak to my heart. The reason I say that is we come to a book of the Bible called Philemon or Philemon. I, I believe one is the, the Greek phraseology, and the other one is an anglicized reading of it. I'll go with Philemon today just because, well, I, because I usually don't, so I'll be a little different today. Uh, it, it, it scares church readers when they look down at what they'll be reading that Sunday. It usually says Philemon 1 through 21, and when you first look at it, it's like, Pastor Steve has lost his mind. He's going to make us read 21 chapters. No, there's only one chapter to Philemon. So you only list the verses, 1 through 
21. I have them on my phone. I have a Bible on my phone. I believe in, do, I do not believe in walking in this world unarmed. And if you don't have a Bible on your phone or one in your car or one in your purse or one in your pocket, you are walking around in a very dangerous world unarmed. Get to know your Bible and carry it with you. Philemon 1, verses 1 through 21. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. This is Paul speaking. Because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. This book is entitled Philemon because it's a letter from the Apostle Paul written to Philemon. I pray that you are part your, that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Do you pray for your partners in faith? your fellow church members, not just when they're sick, but for their friendships, for their needs, for love, the love of God to enter their lives in new ways. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, oh, Paul gets to it now. Although in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He's in chains in Rome. That I appeal to you for my son Onesimus who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I, do, but I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. 
If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Wow. So I thought I knew how to twist some arms to get people to serve on some committees, but Paul takes it to a doctoral level class in arm twisting. But let's take a closer look at what he had to say. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us to appreciate our place in this story. Amen. Several years ago, a very peculiar sight was seen at a large downtown church in England. On the first Sunday of the new year, an ex-convict knelt to receive Holy Communion beside the judge who had sentenced him to seven years in prison. After being sentenced, the young convict was led to Christ through the church's prison ministry. And after his release, he became an active member of that church. Well, after church, the judge was walking with the pastor and said, what a miracle of grace. Now, of course, the pastor asked him, you mean the former thief who knelt beside you today? No, the judge said. I was actually thinking of myself. That young man had nothing but a history of crime behind him. And when he met Jesus as Savior, he couldn't help but know there was something out there missing that he needed so much. Salvation, joy, the hope of the Lord. He knew how much he needed Jesus. But look at me. From earliest days, I was taught to live as a gentleman, that my word was my bond, that I was to say my prayers, go to church, receive the grace of communion. I went to Oxford. I earned my degrees. I became a judge, pastor, nothing but the grace of God could have caused me to admit that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I don't know if that's a true story or not, but I do know it's true for me, for my life, maybe for a few of you also. I grew up in a stable home, loved, protected, educated. And if you didn't go to church, 
you didn't go anywhere else that day either. Yes, uh, I, I'm not painting a perfect picture. Picture, Of course, we had problems. We had struggles to get through. But through them all, I knew I was loved. For the longest time, like the judge said, nothing but the grace of God could have caused me to admit that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. When I look back, yes, I can tell you of a time and event when my faith began to become real in my life. Even more, when I look back, I see throngs of people God used and events God used all to give me the gift of salvation, a gift of salvation to one such as I. And when I look back, I see how God brought me to faith and who for so long has tended my faith, is still tending my faith. And I cannot help but ask myself a question. Do I appreciate my salvation as deeply as I should? Onesimus was a runaway slave. On his way out the door, he took some things that belonged to his owner and master Philemon. He was put on a most wanted list. Slaves who stole from their masters could be put to death. So there was no way Onesimus was coming back. He had no plans to ever return. And there was no way Philemon expected Onesimus to come back. He was the slave who had run away and stolen. And he knew the likelihood of him coming back in anything but chains was highly unlikely. And this is where all of Onesimus the slave's best laid plans go sideways. Onesimus runs from Philemon and Colossae and straight to Rome and right into the hands and heart of the Apostle Paul. Rome was a city of millions, even back then. And in that city of millions, he crosses paths with Paul of all people, who also happens to be a personal friend of Philemon way over in Colossae. Tell me, tell me that God doesn't orchestrate supposedly chance encounters. I'll never believe you. I know God has been doing that in my life to raise me as a holy child of God all of my life, all of my life. 
And the next thing we know, Onesimus is knocking on Philemon's door with a letter from who else? Just the Apostle Paul. And Philemon opens it and begins to read one of the most powerful and very best guilt trips this world has ever known. Talk about a setup. Philemon, I always thank God because I hear about your love for all his holy people. Oh, by the way, Philemon, Onesimus is now one of the holy people. I know you're looking him in the eyes right now. Do you still have love for all of God's holy people, Philemon? Although I could order you to do what you ought to do. Wow. I am an old man and now a prisoner. Do you hear me, Philemon? I know what it's like to be bound like a slave, Philemon. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus. He is my very heart. I would have liked to keep him with me. Perhaps you were separated so you might have him back forever as a brother. Very dear to me, but even dear, dearer to you as a brother in the Lord. Do you hear what's going on here? Uh, Paul isn't exactly subtle in his writings. Excuse me, please. <clears throat> He's not done. If you consider me a partner, of course he does. Welcome him as you would welcome me. Oh, no pressure there. And how does he end it? By cranking that pressure one more time. Confident of your obedience, I know you will do even more then I ask. Wow, you would have to be the most wretched among all wretched people who have ever walked the face of the earth to deny Paul's request. After all that, especially when Paul takes the extraordinary step of putting his money where his mouth is. I don't know if you caught it or not. But Paul does exactly that. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. Paul almost always used a scribe to write his words down for him. But Paul took up pen and ink and wrote, I am writing this. I will repay it. Whatever Onesimus the slave owed Philemon, with the words Paul wrote, Paul was now legal re, legally responsible for every debt Onesimus owed 
and Onesimus with those words was completely debt free. This whole letter sounds familiar. Do you ever have this kind of a conversation with God? That's why it's familiar to me. These are the things God speaks to my heart daily. Steve, I'm glad you love all my people. You do love all my people, don't you, Steve? Even the ones you haven't met, even the ones who haven't met me yet, I made them too. Do you love them, Steve? I could order you, Steve, to do what is right. I have earned that privilege. You do remember the cross, don't you? That person in front of you, I sent them to you. Will you receive him for me as my child, as your brother, as your sister? He, she is my very heart. Perhaps I might get him or her back forever. They're dear to me, but should be even dearer to you. Welcome that person as you would welcome me. And with my nail-pierced hand, do I need to remind you that you owe me your very self? Like Paul did for Onesimus, God often reminds me that God's love for me and my love for God changes everything and also demands everything. It's a one-chapter book of the Bible. You can read it in less than probably three minutes. But look what is inside this one chapter, we didn't even read all the verses. Debts that could never be repaid are laid on the table. The debt Onesimus owed Philemon. The debt Philemon owed Paul. The debt they all owed God. The unpayable debt I owe God. It's on that table too. We don't know how the story ends between Onesimus, Philemon, and Paul. Ignatian, early church father, a historian, a record keeper, writing around 110 AD, refers to the Bishop of Ephesus. He says his name is Onesimus, the same one, Philemon's slave turned brother and probably turned son, possibly, maybe even probably, because when we appreciate our salvation as deeply as we should, who knows what great things 
can happen when we appreciate our salvation as deeply as we should. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we owe you a debt we can never repay. Help me never to stop trying to repay you. As Paul stood up for helpless Onesimus, send us the helpless so we might stand for them in your name. Paul was Onesimus's advocate on earth. You are our advocate in heaven. Who needs us to stand with them? Give us courage to stand with them. You love and the great gift of your redeeming salvation are the most precious of all things in our lives. May we as your people, as your church. Go forth this week with your love in our hearts and the deepest appreciation of our salvation shown in the works of our hands and the words of our mouths. In your holy gracious, joyous, forgiving, sanctifying name we pray. Amen. Be at peace.